Welcome to Raising the Bar, the one and only podcast that centers the lives and experiences of women of color while discussing legal issues and policies. We aim to inform, educate, and provide concrete tools to empower, expand, and raise the bar for our communities and ourselves. Thank you so much for listening and enjoy. Welcome, y'all. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Raising the Bar. This is Iman. I am so excited about this episode. Uh, I got a chance to sit down with my girlfriends for an over an hour and discuss COVID, how we're coping. Uh, We had some laughs. We talked about where in the world is Bill de Blasio. Yeah, we just talked about so many things, and I'm just so happy to share this interview with you all today. First, let's get get into a few things where you can find us, www.rtbpodcast.com, and we are on Instagram at the number one RTB podcast. I, I had an episode last week, and I have an episode this week, and I am just being productive. Uh, during the social distancing slash just complete transitional world change. But let's first start off with an affirmation or just a positive quote before we get into the interview. I found something from Psych Today, and it was just seven ways to cope when you're apart from others. You know, I think a lot of us are probably used to being apart from others, especially the introverts. And so this is kind of comfortable and they're kind of used to this, but there are others that this... There are others that are really struggling with being apart from family. And so Psych Today had a great, you know, seven ways to cope when you're apart from others. And I just wanted to quickly go through the list. And hopefully, you know, if it's helping anyone that's struggling with being apart from their family and friends, hopefully you can do one of these seven things or two of the seven or all seven. Uh, Number one, schedule regular contact by phone and video. I don't know about you, but I've been on like... 30 video calls via Zoom, via Google Duo, via via the new house party, group FaceTime. I even had a wonderful slash not so wonderful the next day living room crawl, which was wonderful, by the way. If you want to know what a living room crawl is, definitely hit me up and I can let you know. But definitely schedule regular contact um, by phone and video. I think this is a time to maybe not text as much and to pick up the phone and talk to people. Number two, get absorbed in a fictional world. If you haven't watched Game of Thrones, maybe you can go take it, take it back. Well, take it back. And, um, I think I was going to start watching, uh, True Blood again. Number three, practice remote acts of kindness. Uh, number four, spend time in nature. If you can go walking while maintaining that six feet social distancing requirement, do so. Number five, revisit old photos and memories. Number six, take a virtual exercise class. They are popping up everywhere. So if you have the opportunity to exercise, do that. And number seven, which I think is extremely important, is meditate. So those are some things, like I said, seven ways to cope when you're apart from others. And I got that from Psych Today. And their Instagram is psych underscore today. And I really hope that that you know, if you're having some issues coping with being away from friends and family or being apart from friends and family, I really hope that helps. 
So what do I have in store for you all today? So I reached out to three of my very close friends and I asked them to join me uh, for an interview. And I wanted to interview three black women um, that were in, one was in LA, one was in Atlanta, and the other was in New York City. And I just wanted to talk to them. I wanted to step away from the, you know, the statistics of how many people are infected and and dying from this disease. And I wanted to kind of just talk about the human experience of what we're going through now. So we talked for over an hour. This episode will only cover half of that interview. I'm actually going to break it up into two parts, but I wanted to share this interview with you. The interview is, it has some great parts where it's informative, it's funny, um, You know, the three women that I chose, I chose my girlfriend, Bethany. She lives out in L.A. My actual, my sister, Janelle, who's in New York. I didn't say that during the interview, but she is my sister. Surprise. And my girlfriend, Vanetta, who's been on this uh, podcast for numerous times. I think this may be her third time. And we had a great conversation. We talked about where in the world is Joe Joe Biden and Bill de Blasio. Uh, We talked about Albany, Georgia. And, you know, the unfortunate events that are happening in Albany, Georgia. We talked about Dr. Fauci's roadshow and just how black folk went from we can't get this to, oh, my God, Idris has it to, oh, my God, now we are disproportionately impacted by this. So, y'all, get ready for a great interview with just three wonderful, intelligent, witty, funny women um, to just talk about how we are actually impacted by this. And, you know, stay tuned. And um, for the next episode or for the next episode, I'll drop the second half of it. But I hope you enjoy this as much as we enjoyed recording it. All right. So, hey, y'all. So um, I wanted to have a conversation with just some wonderful, beautiful Black sisters. And I called up um, Bethany, Janelle, and Vanetta. Um, You all probably know Vanetta from a couple of episodes. She's been on the podcast before. But I wanted to have this talk just to talk about how we are dealing with this and to have, you know, just an a in-depth conversation just about COVID in our community, um, how Black women are impacted. Because, you know, we are, we, we, in a lot of cases, we're providers of families, not in all. And just what the hell do we think about all of this? So one, thank y'all so much for joining me. Um, I think my first question, and, you know, y'all definitely can um, add more when, um, after, while answering this first question, but, uh, how is your city or state dealing with COVID-19? And so I'm going to start with Bethany. Okay. So I'm in California and our governor, we were among, I think some of the first states to issue our stay at home order. Um, not surprisingly, San Francisco, which has a black woman as mayor, she was the first one. And I remember when she issued, they called it a shelter in place order. New York, the governor of New York was just like, well, that's a little extreme. You know, let's not call it that. We're going to freak people out. Um, But she kind of like got things going, at least on our coast, about shutting things down. Cuomo, Um, everybody loves Cuomo, girl. You can't talk about Cuomo. Look, I know, right? And I'm like, oh, you want to say that? I don't want people (laughs) sending me emails. (laughs) But so we've had a stay-at-home order because um, our governor is, Democratic, and I live in LA. Our mayor is a Democrat. They've been pretty like on top of things and being aggressive. 
I mean, part of it, I think, is because they recognize it's a public health issue, but also I think a lot of it is they don't like Trump. And so, you know, him taking it so lightly has encouraged a lot of people to take it even more seriously, which might be working out well for us, right? Because I think California, we've kind of, I think we've at least slowed the pace of infections because we have been telling people to stay at home. Um, but saying that, though, I don't know if people are fully complying. <laughs> um, I went, I live in downtown, and there was still bumper to bumper um, rush hour traffic last week. And that's what I was wondering. I'm like, how are we sitting here? Like, all of you guys can't be going to work. You can't be. Um, in my neighborhood, the neighborhood I live in, is it's pretty much like a low-income neighborhood. Everybody was out like it was a vacation day, just chilling on the street corners, like out buying, you know, ice cream from the ice cream man. So I'm concerned about the compliance level and also because our weather isn't that bad. <laughs> um, so they had to shut down the beaches specifically because people were still out chilling at the beach. Like it's 75 degrees. Why would I not, you know? Um, so California as a government has been trying their hardest, but I don't really know about individual people taking it that serious. Gotcha. Uh, Janelle, you are in New York City. How's it going? I think our governor has been handling this really well. Um, he's been doing a lot of uh, daily briefings and kind of updating us on just uh, the death toll and kind of like keeping a good tone. And I think it has helped me definitely keep myself calm throughout this pandemic. Um, in regards to people taking it seriously, in my neighborhood, I'm like 3.2% lower than the city's average. So I, I'm seeing like businesses setting up, um, you know, distancing like six feet away from um, a person in the grocery store when you're in the line, um, making sure that a certain amount of people are coming into the grocery store at a time. So I think we're handling really well our people. Um, I can't tell you, I've been seeing some people on, you know, Instagram Live and, and Facebook Live outside in New York. So I don't know about those people, um, but I think the city's handling it well. Is New York City every, like, we're so used to, like, New York City being on 24-7. So it's like, it's hard for a lot of people to kind of adjust to that. Got you. And last but not least, least is the right word because I hail from Atlanta, Georgia. <laughs> where Brian Kemp is the governor. And um, <laughs> if you've listened to me on this podcast before, you know my feelings about Brian Kemp. And now you can say she was right. <laughs> um, when we talked about him versus Stacey Abrams, because your boy said at a press conference we are have been nationally embarrassed more so that he just found out 24 hours before that you could be asymptomatic and pass on said disease so luckily Atlanta got a man named Keisha and (laughs) she has been like whoop boy I'm you can do this, but this is what I'm going to ask for me and my house. This is what we go do. And a lot of the surrounding areas have been following her lead more so than the governor's lead because we have a problem with the Southern states, the Southern, specifically Southern Republican states that are pro-Trump, kind of like what Bethany mentioned about the opposite effect of people doing what they need to do because they're not on for his stuff. Um, so we are just now getting statewide mandates, uh, unfortunately, one of which included opening the beaches back up, um, much to the chagrin of <laughs> the people who actually live in those towns, because this is technically officially spring break week. And mm-hmm. as we know, 
people are not following the directives. Um, kind of like what you guys said, people that's apparently happening nationwide. Um, and I guess, you know, Republicans are very anti-government. And I guess that has been some of the leaning towards some of the Southern states, particularly Georgia being lackluster in implementing government mandates about what you can and cannot do. But we are suffering the consequences and we are still at the beginning of it, unfortunately. Um, I, I work from home, so I haven't been impacted in the financial way, but you know, he's not, he's not doing what he needs to do. It's, and the CDC is here. So we literally have no excuse. It's very sad. Unfortunately, we don't have a Cuomo. We don't have, I forgot the governor's name of California, but we are, we at the bottom of the barrel, y'all. I mean, I, I don't, th- I think it's, I think in some places worse than you all, unfortunately. I think, so I think, so I definitely want to, I definitely want to lift up, right, we, the areas in which you see mayors kind of stepping up when that statewide level. I'm in D.C., the DMV area. For the most part, we're all staying, stay, what is it, stay in place, stay in place, shelter in place. Shelter in place. Um, <laughs> Maryland was first and a couple of hours later, then Virginia and then D.C. Um, did it later that day. Um, I think and so I, I think for the most part, I think Governor Hogan, and that's the governor of Maryland, he was on the Sunday news shows last Sunday, and then this was the day before he did the shelter in place, saying, you know, if we keep on the same track, we could our numbers could look like New York. And so he wanted mm-hmm. to do something about it. But in order for it to be effective, we needed DC and Virginia, because we're just too close up here for because I mean it's a traffic light sometimes. Um and I think people are still struggling with it. I see people still thinking it's a curfew. Like they're quick to say, yeah, because you know, once eight o'clock hit, nah, bro, it's <laughs> Like you're like <laughs> four, seven, ain't no 8 p.m. Um, and I think it was because it, on the first day that it started, it went into effect at 8 p.m. And so folks, I think folks just can't fathom. Nah, they're not telling me to stay in my house 24 7. Well, right. you know what? I had a friend tell me that he thought that that was just for one week because he was trying to go out and I'm like, you know, we supposed to be at home. He's like, oh, no, that was just last week, though. I'm like, <laughs> But again, in Georgia, it is just for two weeks. <laughs> so he did it, but he only it's, it's supposed to end on the 13th. So I think one of the things that has been a detriment to this thing is the lack of federal mandates in cohesiveness. Mm-hmm. And on one hand, I get it because it's affecting everybody differently. You know what I'm saying? Like you have very populous, like dense places like New York, like DC, but in Albany, Georgia, it's not the same. Yeah. So I get it, but we can't do that no more because people can move freely. And I think Albany, uh, Albany, Georgia, just the issue in Albany, Georgia, and if y'all not, I'll probably put this in the show notes, and I'm not sure if Bethany and Janelle, you, you all are familiar with what happened in Albany, Georgia, but I think that that's more of a reason to have more of a uniform, everybody needs to stay your ass at home, um, because you just never know. And because we, you, I think, and I think um, I saw today, someone had to, I was on a call, and someone had to put something in perspective. When, this was, when we were really just transmitting the virus and not had any idea, we had 2 million people descend upon Louisiana for Mardi Gras. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh shit, you're right. And now Louisiana is a hot spot. 
Detroit is a hot spot. Um, and I think that's even more of a reason. But I, I, I don't think we will see a national shelter in place for many reasons. I mean, one, I think that this administration is probably worried about the economic downside to a lot of this, as opposed to just like that public health. And I just can't see, I can't see a national shelter in place being enacted, but. Oh, I definitely don't think it's going to happen because at this point, because of who is in office, he doesn't want to shoulder the blame Mm -hmm. for doing the right thing or the wrong thing. Right. (laughs) So that's, that's unfortunately it. Don't yeah. you ask us for a mask either because it's for us. It's right. for our stockpile. My <laughs> son-in-law said we gotta stop, we gotta stockpile. We don't know about y'all, but we we do the federal right. <laughs> we are a state. Y'all just don't know that yet, but we are state. Okay. Just two questions. I was wondering. Um, where the hell is Bill de Blasio, who's the mayor of New York? I don't know. I do not know. And I cannot say the last time I heard anything from this man. And I think that's why Cuomo, like, he has to step up at this point because we don't know what the hell a man is. Um, <laughs> like, how, and think, sir? And I think the mayor, I think he's scared to kind of, like, step up because if, if it goes left, we're going to blame him, right? And then also, remember, Cuomo's been doing this. Like, he's been a part of, like, these type of crises, um, these different pandemics and, and crises, whatever, before. So this is, like, his, this is his, his game. Like, he can play this. This is really good. I think with the mayor, if he came in, he probably just made people more anxious than what they already are. Because I don't know, he he's he's not leading us. He's not going to lead us in a way that we need to be led right now. But can, but you can't. Do you feel like he got to respect that a little bit rather than? I mean, it's cowardly, right? Mm-hmm. But on the same token, it's not like it's not getting done. He deferring it to somebody who to get it done. I mean, I don't know. Don't you delegate to um, your weaknesses? be responsible for because i think downstate has just as many people upstate maybe in downstate i think it includes westchester county but to be responsible for that many people and me not see you i'm like where the hell is bill and then where the hell is joe biden like where is he yeah 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 i just wanted to maybe y'all was in, in new york city it's like it's 75 percent, so it's affecting the city way more than it's affecting um like westchester and upstate yeah. but now we're starting to see the numbers increase in long island and westchester so it's like people ain't staying still Mm -hmm. no no because i mean honestly some of our people have the luxury of going to long island to to stay with their family so we'll see how that works out what did y'all think about the social distancing campaign like did you did you think in the very beginning i I was like this is hella social distancing um you know in order for i will say this new york city did a great job as far as their sex and covid fact sheet mm-hmm. yeah that was dope right yeah <laughs> um but what did y'all think just about because i think with a lot with all public health campaigns right communication matters effective communication matters and i'm not sure in the very early beginnings when people really started taking it seriously whether or not it was communicated effectively so what did y'all think about that do you think we and the people taking it seriously we on that we we in that wheelhouse <laughs> Well, and that's what I was going to say. Like, I can't tell if I thought it was good just because I know how to read and pay attention to instructions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you, like, where are we going to see this? Like, we didn't see this. So like now we're on commercials, like we have commercials about it, but like other than that, I don't have cable. So I have to read about it. So I wonder Girl, you, how it's being communicated. Mm-hmm. Campaign. I was like, what campaign? Right? I so I was campaign. Thinking, there was a campaign. I, 
Did y'all get in the mail? Trump Trump had his coronavirus. Oh, I just got that yesterday. Yes, the if postcard. Anything, you want to call that a campaign? Exactly. And if I see anything Trump, most likely not reading it. And <laughs> Sorry, and be honest with you. No, for real, Janelle. I was telling, like, I was talking to another group of friends, and one of them was Michael Joy. Dang, Dr. Fauci is all up in all these streets. And I said, mm-hmm. I think Dr. Fauci recognizes mm-hmm. that nobody mm-hmm. don't want to hear him say nothing standing next to Donald Trump. So he got to go talk to the Steph Currys. He got to go on the Daily Show because I don't, I, I see him. And I just say, I see you, Dr. Fauci. In <clears throat> the next to him, I kind of I'm gonna catch you later. Doctor Fauci mm-hmm. have a poker face. And no, uh, uh-uh. okay, <laughs> he's not. He he is just like me and me. Where I'm like, why are you talking right now? Uh, <laughs> him and him and Doctor Briggs are like the aerial MVPs to me. I I stand for her and him right now. That Surgeon General, though. I'm sorry, Black Brother. Not- Right, and I want to be on his team, but do you? <laughs> I want to be outside because he's black, but he just he don't Girl. want me to support him. <laughs> he look, he is the epitome of all skin folk and can folk. Okay? <laughs> that is true. <laughs> um, so we talked about um like a couple of areas that are being hit hard. My hometown, New York City, which now is especially in Brooklyn and Queens, um, as far as just the boroughs. Detroit is being hit hard, um, Louisiana. Um, how do you think that this issue is highlighting the health disparities when it comes to minorities? I think I just sent you a tweet as far as over 70% of the cases in Chicago are Black people. And I think at first, I remember in the first early days, everybody was like, Black people can't get this. We can't get this. <laughs> but then Idris came out and I'll mess with all. They ain't getting into the motherland. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Thought we couldn't get it. And I'll never forget there was a pastor in Atlanta, and I'm not gonna even say his name. He was like, you know, I don't see nobody who tweeted that they mama died, and this is because he was he was playing into that. This is not that serious. Mm-hmm. And now that it's coming out and we're seeing people we know getting it, and we're seeing you know, not just Id- Idris, and we knew his wife had it. We knew she was going to Oh, it. certainly. Mm-hmm. You wanted not leaving her man. That was the definition of wanting smoke. <laughs> she wanted the smoke, okay? Like, I'm not leaving his Yep. <laughs> I wouldn't leave a sister. I wouldn't leave her. <laughs> right. <laughs> so do you think, so two questions. One, when do you think that shift started to happen to where we went from maybe we Black and Black people can't get it to now this is at our doorstep? But do you really think our family understands that it's not just older people too, right? It's mm-hmm. younger people. And it's largely if you have pre-existing conditions, like you're more vulnerable to it. And so do you think that, our, do you think our community is getting that? I mean, unfortunately. I would say no. Oh, no, definitely. Go ahead, Janelle. I would say no. I think our younger generation, I think people don't get it until it affects someone in their family or their immediate circle, right? Especially especially the younger generation, they feel like they're healthy, they can go out, they'll be fine, but they're not thinking about if they bring at home to someone who may have some underlying health issues or someone older and how that can affect their family. Um, I don't think young, yeah, personally, I don't think younger people are taking it as serious. Yeah, no, I was going to say the same. I think that until more 
people start having family members who are catching it or unfortunately getting gravely ill or dying, that a lot of younger Black people specifically are just carrying on with their lives. I've gotten invited to three parties this week. And I'm like, y'all. Like in person? In person parties. Wow. Someone like, you for real not going to come through? No, I'm not coming through. Do you watch the news? <laughs> like, have you heard anything about what's going on? But they are largely of the viewpoint that like, this is the media and this is white people being afraid about things. And I don't know nobody that got it. So we're probably fine. You and know? isn't that an interesting take to take to have? It's so interesting when people have a viewpoint that offends them in another avenue, right? Because if you think about racism and white people say, oh, I don't see racism or I, my family isn't racist. And it's just like this, if it doesn't exist for me, it must not mm-hmm. exist. And that is what this is kind of taking on. Because I've seen so many like comments on social media where it's like, well, do we, has anybody know anybody, blah, blah, blah. And it was just kind of like, but that doesn't that doesn't mean anything. The one thing they keep telling us is a asymptomatic, b like you can have it and not know it. In in terms of like not knowing you have it because you just might have a cough or you might have a fever and you're going to get over it, right? But it's how it's going to affect other people. And you know, one of the common things they always say, you know, if white America has a cold, black America has the flu, right? Mm-hmm. So. I, unfortunately, I think this is going to be that situation where, like most things, it's going to impact us disproportionately. And then it's going to, the narrative's going to change. Then it's going to be like, they did it just to get us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was being stupid. Yeah, I, yeah. I feel like the whole, it's a weapon thing. Um, so, question, so I've heard, you know, I, I know people personally who have contracted disease. And I said, very in the very beginning, I was like, I don't think black people would sing it from the rooftops that they've gotten it, right? Because I mm-hmm. still think anytime you get something in our community, mm-hmm. it could be something as a cold. There's just like the stigma attached to it, to where I can't honestly say if my grandmother was alive and one of us had it, whether or not we would be allowed in the house in the year 2020. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I think, especially with the Rona, I think there's a stigma attached to it. And largely, I don't think Black people is going to, that's not something I would tell everyone. Um, But I wanted to talk about what I've noticed, especially from reading stuff, especially I think what happened in Albany, um, is that, you know, it's well known that we're treated differently. And when I say we, Black people, we're treated differently by the medical profession. And it's like, I'm wondering... I think I know like some people who've gotten it or contracted it and they've literally been told to go home. Yeah. And I don't know if that's playing into, and, and like I said, that's, that's some of those underlying issues as far as health disparities, even before Corona mm-hmm. and how it's just exacerbating the problem in our community. But it's kind of like, you know, I think it was a lady in the UK who died when they told her it wasn't that serious enough and she went home and died. It's so, I don't know if this is, I don't even know if the medical community is even doing anything about the existing health disparities we had before this, right? But yeah. Yeah. Bethany? Yeah, so uh, this was like a couple weeks ago. I woke up with the symptoms that have been said, like these are the symptoms. You know, like one day I woke up, I was wheezing and I've been sitting at home. It was up for like a week. And so I'm like, it can't be from exercise. Um, I had a really, really dry cough. I, anyway, I got freaked out because I had all the symptoms. So I call my doctor, like I'm employed. I have good health insurance. 
I called them and there's a medical evaluation tent. And so the way you can get to that, which is the only place that they are doing testing, it's like a three-level screening process. So A, you have to have a doctor, then they send you to a telemedicine physician who evaluates your symptoms. Only then if they say you can go, then they'll send you to the medical evaluation tent. It's a, it's a literally a tent, but you can't drive up. So when I got there, they needed me to provide my doctor's name and then they went and checked the records to make sure because the doctor was like, we have to refer you. So my first thought is if I'm someone that's uninsured or even if I have bad insurance, but have never actually been to the doctor, I'm already being excluded because I would have never even been able to get to this point, right? And so then when I got to the tent, I had a young Nigerian lady that was doctor. She's probably my same age. And so she was just really frank. Like, honestly, if I had a test, I would give it to you because your symptoms are extremely um, similar to what we're looking for. But A, I don't have a test. And one of the qualifications at the time, I don't know if it's still the same, is that you had to have traveled to another country, mm -hmm. which again, is gonna exclude a lot of black people, a lot of people of other ethnic minorities in this country that don't travel in the first place, but that has nothing to do with them contracting the disease, you know? Yeah, they talked about how the CDC guidelines in the very beginning kind of, um, it, it, um, it um, I can't think of the word right now. Somebody help me. The CDC guidelines in the very beginning. Discriminates against. Yeah. Or yeah. widen the disparities because the question mm -hmm. was, have you gone out? And yep. it bothered me was by the time, I think this was at the time in which we knew we had community cases, right? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Community and not from the, neither person had been out of the country. So I don't mm -hmm. know if the CDC guidelines have been updated. I, I hope that they have been. I hope they have too, because that's going to exclude a lot of people that are contracting it here in the U.S. that ain't never been outside the U.S., you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think the, the, the second question was, um, have you been around a person who have had um, coronavirus? Yeah. Like, how do you know that? And if you are a worker or essential worker that has to go out every day, do you know that you're being exposed to the virus? You don't right. know that. So obviously, your first answer is going to be no, and your second answer is going to be no. So then we're just going to send you home until you, and if you don't have any symptoms, just go home, you know, for a few days. And if you have symptoms, come back. That's, that, that's pretty crazy. That is literally what I was advised. She told me, they gave me an inhaler. She prescribed me a bunch of medicine. I actually have an autoimmune disease, so I have an underlying health issue. She prescribed me some medicine for that because she was like, honestly, if you have it and it gets worse, you should have this just in case because you can only come back if you feel like you are literally about to die and then maybe I can get you into the ER. But unfortunately... I can't do anything until that point. Okay, girl, go home. Right. <laughs> and see, I think that's the part of the problem as, as well, is they're waiting to, and I know some of this is because of the lack of resources, right? That the lack of testing and all that, they're waiting until people need it at the absolute, min, you know, last minute, you know, you got to literally be sick, sick for them to say, oh, let's give you a test or you know, let's find you like, I mean, and that in and of itself is making things worse because then you have people who can't get tested and you giving them God knows, not God knows what, but not, you know, but you know what I'm saying? Something that can't really help them and just say, be quarantined. Mm -hmm. That ain't, you can't, you can't do that. I don't know. I'm, I'm not, I'm, I, I do not know a lot about public health um and how you respond to it i don't know if we've had any modern day things that you know 
we can draw examples from because I some of the examples I've seen I just don't think they're fair because they're past statistics right they're like oh well the flu killed this many people but we only three months in fam like y'all can't be lining these things yeah. up just yet I, I don't know that, that narrative was like heavy you know what I mean like the flu kills this many people this many people but will die from tobacco I've seen tobacco I, and I'm like isn't that voluntary <laughs> smoke <laughs> vaccine for the flu it may not work but for the most part we have some sort of some sort of foundation some sort of structure and we have immunity some people nobody Mm -hmm. is immune to coronavirus as of yet except for the people that have just recently gotten it (laughs) and also just the wait to get your results back that's another thing because you see celebrities come in like they they get tested on monday on tuesday they're like oh i tested positive but then you have cases where hospitals are like you have to wait three to five days to get results back which is crazy. Yeah, I don't know what type of test they got. Um, <laughs> so, um, how are you all coping with this? You know, before we started recording, we talked about the fact that all four of us, you know, we're privileged. Um, we are all working. Uh, we all have a chance to work from home. We're still getting paid. Um, <clears throat> and so this definitely looks different for, for us. And it looks different for many pockets of people, right? You have people like us who largely, we're still going, right? Which I want to say it's it's definitely it's hard for me to work during these times. Aside from the fact that I have a toddler and no daycare, but I can't underestimate the mental toll that this takes on you. And so, working from home during this time is a little different. But I'm not complaining in the least. And then you have folks that got laid off. Millions of people have been laid off. You know what I mean? Or you have folks that still have to work through this and. If I don't come to work, I don't get paid. And I'm not talking about medical professionals. And so mm-hmm. how are you all coping, you know, through this time? Yeah, so for me, I am extremely thankful and appreciative because I do realize my privilege in this situation. Like I have a job, they're gonna continue to pay me. I can do all of my essential tasks from my home. Um, so that's been a blessing. Um, but having I mean, minor complaints, right? Like it's hard for me to disconnect from when my workday ends to when I can relax, right? Because my computer is now in the dining room and I'm just staring at it at all hours of the day. Work emails are coming in. I'm a lawyer, so, you know, they don't never stop. Even in a pandemic, Lord, they are still going just as heavy as they always have. (laughs) So it's been hard for that. Um, But also I have been sheltering in place or whatever at my parents' house. Because I've always had the ability to work remotely. And so I happened to be here when they issued the order. So I was like, oh, well, should I go to my apartment where I live alone with no food or stay here with my mom and my dad where they have ample food (laughs) and I have company? (laughs) So there's six people in my house and we've just all have stayed here. Um, But my parents have to work. So my dad works for Child Protective Services. And so his job is is necessary, unfortunately. So he has to go in. My mother's job is 100% non-essential, but I'm blaming capitalism. They refuse to it, it, it's a two-edged sword, right? It's like, she should not be having to go to work, but then also if she doesn't, then she won't be getting paid. And so it's like a weird situation, you know? Um, so it's hard because they're having to go out. She's continually getting exposed every day, possibly, because she works in an employer with more than 500 people, people coming in and out. Um, so, I mean, I'm coping as well as I can. I don't even have it as hard as I know that a lot of people that have been laid off or have to go to work in a hospital, you know, every single day. Um, I'm fortunate to be able to work from home. 
my company is a global company. So we've been out of work since maybe the first week of March. Um, once things started to really pick up, our CEO was like, you know, everyone's going to work from home. And then she just started each week, started to send more people home and, and um, have them work from home. So I've definitely been very fortunate. Um, I think the only thing that I'm trying to cope with is work-life balance, um, like kind of making sure I'm logging off at a certain time and not overworking myself or working on the weekends because it's just so easy to just pick up my laptop and respond to email after 6.30 or 7 o'clock because it's right there. So kind of trying to just, you know, balance the work-life balance, even though, you know, I don't have children, I'm home alone. Like I still have to give myself some time to kind of like just relax and enjoy the rest of the night. So I've been coping pretty well. Um, I think I'm coping fine. Um, um, for, I mean, I work from home on the normal basis. Um, I'm an auditor, so I'm usually like out traveling. So that's probably been the biggest impact because all the audits have been moved to remote. Um, not so the shift hasn't been me working from home. It's been doing audits remotely with people who aren't used to working remotely and navigating that. Like that's how work has been stressful. Um, and of course, you know, like you said, the same uh, task of, you know, turning it off or knowing to walk away. Um, but it, I think I just been, you know, staying firm in prayer, um, asking God just to put me in a position to be used and be of help because I am so blessed. Um, and this has helped highlight so many blessings that I have um, in terms of the things that I'm not necessarily worried or stressed about. Um, but I, I just, that's been my biggest thing. I don't, I don't, I feel a little bit of um, anxiety at times about um, other people's situations or like I went to the store <laughs> This is not funny, but it's funny. I I, I I didn't leave my house from the 20th till day before yesterday. So I just, and I was like, yeah, I, you know, it's a confidence when you know you're following the rules, right? You like, I'm good. You know, I've been in the house. And um, I went to the store. And so that night I had a, um, a dream, I guess. I don't know what was in my subconscious that I, and I, I was coughing in my dream. And I woke up coughing and I coughed for like 40 minutes. And I, so then I was like panicking, like, oh my God, oh Jesus. And it's like, wait, but is this my brain from the dream? It was, it was, it was complete chaos in my head, right? Like in my body, because I was coughing uncontrollably. And then it was like, okay, you need to chill out. Go drink some hot tea and break it down. Break it down to a two instead of a 10. So um, it's, I think that's one thing I'm thinking about, like the, the internal subconscious things that are laying like latent um, then, you know, and I actually had my first appointment with the therapist and we did it virtually and that helped to um, also, you know, I'm like, cause I can't keep putting it off. I've been I'm like, Oh, I'm traveling. Oh, I'm doing this. Well, sis, we'll get on a video chat, which you would do it. So you don't have no reason. So, you know, just trying to be better about self-care as well. Like turning inward has helped me also kind of, you know, cope as much as I can. What? What? Um, I know we talked about. What about you? You didn't say how you. Oh, were. me. Yeah. So I really hope that you all enjoyed the first half of the interview. Sorry, I had to stop it there. But to find out or to hear how I'm coping with this, 
please stay tuned and check out the next episode, which will I'll drop next week. Uh, we also talk about a few things. We talk about the importance of therapy during this time, the impact um, that this will have on multi- multi-generational families, so households that have, you know, two or two or more generations in them, and then how the conspiracy theories are playing out in the Black community. So I really, really hope that you tune in. Um, I want to thank Vanetta, Janelle, and Bethany. Like, they were just, I'm just so thankful and grateful for them. Um, and you can reach us at, you can reach me at www.rtbpodcast.com or on Instagram, the number one RTB podcast. Uh, stay blessed. Stay healthy, y'all. See y'all next time. Or talk to y'all next time.